It's six hours to midnight. The date is March 5th, 1997. My name is Pete Schwartz, and this is Pete's Paranormal Chronicles, Season 2, Episode 2. If you have not listened to the first episode, don't worry about it, because the music in this one is really cool. The legend of the Halifax Pit Ripper's ghost goes like this. Every 25 years, on the date of his execution, the Pit Ripper's ghost claims one more victim. Some people believe that ghosts are not capable of murder. Some people believe in the more logical theory that the victims here are victims of a copycat killer. A man obsessed with the Pit Ripper and so every 25 years he kills someone, just as the Pit Ripper did, by armpitting them and leaving them up against a tree in Halifax's oldest, dampest cemetery. But if these were the victims of a mortal man, then he must be a really old man, because this shit has been happening since 1922. Now before I go any further with this story, I'd like to stop here and say that my partner Ray and I were not seeing eye to eye on this particular venture. Ray thought this whole thing was really stupid, and he wanted to go home. He said that ghosts are harmless, and they can't actually kill people. On one hand, I believe Ray has a point, but on my other, bigger hand, I believe in the Pit Ripper. Yeah, I think the legend is real, and I'm not the only one. The other day, I spoke with Darcy Holt, a local hipster folklorist slash stoner, and a firm believer in the legend of the Pit Ripper's ghost. The ghost is real. <laughs> it's real, man. And he's gonna kill again. Tonight at midnight, man. It's the hundredth anniversary, man. That ghost killed people. And I think he's doing it as like a sort of continuing revenge against the city of Halifax, man. Alright, so as I mentioned in last week's show, the most recent victim of the Pit Ripper's ghost was 21-year-old Jonathan Potter. Jonathan's body was found gutted, armpitted, on March 6th, 1971, around midnight, on the day of the anniversary. The Pit Ripper has claimed at least 15 victims during his reign of terror, 18 if you count the murders he committed as a ghost. But the story surrounding Jonathan Potter stands out because it is so bone-chillingly bizarre. In fact, this cold case inspired a documentary film in 1985, directed by filmmaker Elias Cornish. This documentary is really, really good, and it does such a fine job of chronicling the strangeness of that case that I've decided to play a portion of it for you here. So please pay close attention to this audio clip from the 1985 documentary film The Curse of the Halifax Pit Ripper. 
Jonathan Potter was only 21 years old when his body was found strung up against a tree in Halifax's oldest, dampest cemetery. It was Jonathan's father who found him there, and with his extremities dangling around his armpits, he was nearly unrecognizable. His father tried to look into his son's eyes, hoping to see some signs of life remaining, but the sockets were empty, and it was now much too late. To this day, no one knows who did this to Jonathan, and without any evidence, authorities haven't been able to even narrow down a suspect in the case. Jonathan's last known sighting was at the public gardens with some friends feeding popcorn to the ducks, an activity he was said to be very fond of. Everyone with him that night was interviewed separately by investigators, and independently they all described a normal evening. His friend Bill went on to say that Jonathan's spirits were actually high that night as he had just started dating a longtime crush of his named Sarah. According to Bill, Jonathan had plans to meet with Sarah at her place later that night to watch a movie, and he was secretly expecting some hot stuff to go down. Sadly, he never made it to Sarah's place, and nothing hot went down at all. Aside from Jonathan's appearance at the public gardens, there was only one other sighting of him that night, and it turned out to be quite bizarre. At approximately 10.30 p.m., a local busybody named Shelley Woodruff thought she spotted Jonathan standing in the middle of her street. She described him as waving goodbye to someone as they drove off in a blue Ford pickup truck. But a follow-up report on this story explains that this didn't actually happen and Shelley had in fact dreamt the whole thing. It is odd that she had a dream about Jonathan on the night that he died. If Jonathan's bizarre manner of death isn't puzzling enough, the various accounts of his younger brother's activity on the day of his death has left everyone stumped. In the early afternoon, three different people reported seeing Jonathan Potter's little brother, Alex Potter, walking around in the same damp cemetery where Jonathan was later found. He seemed to be closely inspecting the gravestones as if looking for a specific stone. One of the three witnesses also stated that he stood for at least an hour in the same place where, just eight hours later, his brother would be found dead. It's important to note that Alex Potter was a firm believer in ghosts and the afterlife, his father described him to a CBC reporter as being particularly interested in the spiritual world for as long as he could remember. Very seldom seen without his favorite book, The Necronomicon, Alex Potter's presence in the cemetery that day and his keen interest in ghosts are important things to consider in this case. Some say that Alex was secretly obsessed with the legend of the Pit Ripper's ghost. Maybe Alex was trying to stop him. Maybe the Pit Ripper was really trying to stop Alex, but stopped his brother Jonathan instead. The possibility of pursuing Alex as a lead was lost and the case was turned on its head in just over a month when six weeks after Jonathan's murder, his brother Alex also died, but of unknown causes, leaving medical examiners shocked that a seemingly healthy seven-year-old could pass for no obvious reason. Alex's death occurred while he was staying at the Waverly Inn on Barrington Street with his parents. Alex loved staying in hotel rooms. It didn't matter if he was on vacation or not, he just always had a blast in hotels. So when Alex asked his parents if they could stay in a hotel for the weekend, they thought, sure, why not? The little guys had a rough time. Little did they know, it was a busy weekend in Halifax. The hotels were all booked up, and they were left with no choice but to settle for a small inn, which had only one room available. But Alex was happy, and to his parents, it was worthwhile. Alex's last night was spent watching movies and eating pizza, and also reading passages from the Necronomicon aloud, specifically reciting the passage, Hoping for tomorrow, stop the bloodshed. His parents just laughed and shook their heads. It was all in all a pretty fun night. But then the next morning, his parents left him alone as they went to the lobby to pick up a continental breakfast. And upon returning, Alex was dead on the floor, his body cold and lifeless. 
Despite the attention of leading experts, the cause of death for Alex Potter was never determined. No one was seen entering the room over the 20-minute period his parents were gone. No one heard screaming, and there was no signs of a struggle. Alex's heart had simply stopped beating. When he was found, his skin was smurf blue, his eyes were watery, and his mouth was wide open. Mr. and Mrs. Potter had now, in a matter of just two months, lost both of their dear sons. Soon after this second tragedy, the authorities began to be suspicious of the Potters. They became the number one suspects in both deaths, and they couldn't leave their house without getting attacked with pies to the face. After burying their second son, the Potters left their jobs and Halifax behind, never to return. They didn't die or anything, they just didn't like Halifax very much anymore. After my review of this case, I think there is one thing that's clear. The legend of the Pit Ripper's ghost is not really a legend at all. It's more of a curse. Will the Pit Ripper strike again in 1997, on the 100th anniversary of his execution? Yes. The answer, undoubtedly, is yes, he will. He will. He will. He will. After a long road trip and many arguments, Ray and I were not on speaking terms when we first arrived at the old graveyard. I looked closely at the map and directed us to the unmarked grave of the Pit Ripper. Ray stood behind me, stewing, ready to start another fight. Okay, Pete, so there's the grave of the Pit Ripper. Are you happy now? Can we just go home? Ray, do you have a Ouija board on you? I'd like to try to communicate with this spirit. No. No, Pete. I don't have a Ouija board. You want to communicate, huh? Well, I'll, I'll communicate right now. Ray, I can't believe you just did that. All I did was spit on the grave of, of a murderer. He's an evil man, Pete. Let's not waste our time chasing down ghosts of evil men. I don't care. I'll do it again. You apologize now, or you'll be sorry you did that, Ray. This is a vengeful ghost that we're dealing with. Yeah, well, he's not going to get me because I'm leaving. Wait, leaving? What do you mean? Where are you going? I'm sick of these lies. I'm going back home. You know, you're, you're a real asshole, Pete. I'm an asshole? Where is all this coming from? Come on, Ray. Ray. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please, please don't, don't go. It's too late for apologies, man. You've disrespected me for the last time. And you know what? This whole story, is, it's a big fat lie. Oh, here we go again. It's a big lie, Pete. We both know that this was all just a reason for you to, you, you to come to Halifax and stalk your ex-girlfriend. Oh, that's ridiculous. Dude, you called her like 17 times on the way here. 17 times, I counted. It's just, it's so sad. She doesn't love you anymore, okay? You just let her go. Stop harassing her. This is about PPC. This is, it's about the work. The work always comes first, Ray. You know me better than to lead you on some wild ghost chase. <laughs> Whatever, man. Have fun solving this case without me. I'm getting the hell out of here. Good. Just, just go then. 
Get out of here. Who, who needs you? Who needs you? And there I was, left high and dry, skulking around in the oldest cemetery in Halifax. I took a few pictures of the tree or where all the bodies were found. The sun was setting. And now, dear listeners, I'm going to slam on the brakes again. Please join me on a slight detour to the heart of downtown Halifax to a bar-slash-dancing club called the Liquor Dome. I've got someone to meet up with, but it's not someone who has anything to do with the Pit Ripper. It's my ex-girlfriend, Jen. And, well, she doesn't exactly know I'm coming. It's uh, sort of a surprise. But, hey, I mean, she might not actually be there, but uh, I know she usually goes out with her friends on, er, on Friday night. Uh, it's her favorite bar, so uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it, it won't take long. I checked into the Waverly Inn, the same inn where Alex Potter's body was found. And let me tell you, this inn has quite a history of child ghost sightings. As I walked up the stairs, I heard a ghost child laughing, but soon realized it wasn't a ghost after all. It was just a regular child who is alive. When I got to my room, I took a shower and put on some cologne. I changed my clothes and brushed my teeth. I was excited to go out for some drinks at the liquor dome. It was around 9.30 when I saw something truly bizarre. Written on the wall behind the bed with red ink that looked like blood were the words, hoping for tomorrow. It really creeped me out, but not as much as it should have. You see, at this point, I hadn't yet seen the documentary I played for you earlier in the show, so I didn't make a connection there. But still, just reading those words sent a chill up my spine. Something about it felt... sinister. I grabbed my recording equipment and called a taxi. I arrived at the Liquor Dome around 7.30 p.m. The place was packed, and sure enough, I saw my Jen there, dancing with her friends. I went over to join them.
And so there I was, hunched over in a dark alleyway, crying in the rain. This was the lowest point of my life. It dawned on me that as I sat there, that this might have been the same alleyway where Sir James Clark had fought the Pit Ripper so many years ago. And then, before my very tired eyes, D.B. Cooper stepped out of the black shadows. A wet cigarette dangled from his lips. I pressed the record button again. Hey, you got a light, D.B. Cooper. Son of a bitch. I never thought I'd see your ugly mug again after what went down in Shag Harbor. So that was you. I knew it. How are the Freemasons treating you these days? Oh, but wait, seriously, do you have a light? I do have a light, but it's raining too hard to light that right now. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Now, what do you know about the Freemasons? Who are you working for? Hey, don't look at me. I'm just a dumb actor, right? Oh, come on, DB. We both know I didn't mean that when I said it. Ah, uh, can it, Schwartz? I don't have time for this. I will say one thing about your recent, uh, adventures. You have to leave the Scientologists alone. They should fucking leave me alone. They're following me. No, you're following them. You started all this, you lousy bum. I did not. Wait a minute. You're one of them now, aren't you? Well, I've, I've dabbled in Scientology, yeah. Uh, for the sake of my career. I knew it. And why? Just so you can hang out with John Travolta and Tom Cruise? Well, yeah, they're pretty cool guys. Um, but look here, Buster. Just leave them out of this, all right? And beware of the TTG. <laughs> no shit. So, how's your new partner working out? Ray? He's... I don't know. He actually left town. Figures. Uh, Guy always seemed like such a twerp. Hey, now, you don't talk about Ray like that. You don't know Ray. He's a hero. He <laughs> <laughs> saved uh, my life. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, Schwartz. You really crack me up sometimes. You know that? No, I don't know that. Is there some reason you're, you're here? Same reason you're here, you lousy putz. Oh, tell me, why am I here? Why? You're here to help me stop that ghost. 
once and for all. Uh, which ghost, the Pit Ripper or the Little Boy Ghost? The Pit Ripper, you schmuck. Thank you for listening to this miniseries. Please join us next week for the third chapter in which we delve into the mythic history of my old partner, D.B. Cooper. Also, the true story of the Halifax ghost hand. That's next time on Pete's Paranormal Chronicles. <laughs>